and welcome to the RTE Soccer Podcast. I'm Anthony Pine and I'm very pleased to be joined with Graham Gartland and Johnny McDonald to reflect on the weekend's domestic action and look ahead to a really fascinating round of games this week as well. We'll also touch on Stephen Kenny's upcoming Republic of Ireland squad announcement ahead of those qualifiers against France and the Netherlands. And we're going to have a chat about Vera Powell's managerial status for Reign as Ireland women's manager could be about to come to an end. But first, Graham, um, we'll start with Shamrock Rovers. I, I know you're at that game on Friday night. Um, one minute win over Dundalk, keeps them four points clear, St. Pat's. Um, not a vintage performance, I guess, but you know, does it matter at this stage? Is you know, is it just about keeping their noses in front? What sort of shape do you think they're in coming into the home? Um, it's a little bit of both. Oh, I, I like both things can be right. I, I think no one will look back and say, I'd have won the game against Dundalk where we didn't, where Rovers didn't play well. Um, they just remember they got a result. I think similar to Pats, I think Pats went to UCD, got a result, header from a corner, very similar. Um, you probably expect the Pats to maybe low UCD out considering the form Pats were in but sometimes in these run-ins and it is a title run-in now at this stage it's about getting over the line whatever by whatever means necessary um, Dundalk were unlucky I, I thought for the first 20-25 minutes um, Rovers were probably dominating possession without really creating too many chances a lot of dip shots from distance from Bourke but then the game sort of exploded for Dundalk where they, they, they opened them up on a counter-attack and it, and it sort of gave them a little bit of hope. And then from then on, they had multiple counter-attacks where they're probably unlucky not to go in at the break, probably 2-0 up. I'm, I'm thinking of um, a chance for Kelly at the back post where he, he hits into the defenders. And I'm also thinking then of John Martin's header at the back post where he hits the base of the post. I, I, I think he should score. There's other moments where they, they probably take the wrong option in on goal. You have a couple of chance. You have one chance at the the start of the second half where they, it's not a counter attack. It's good play from Dundalk. You play out through the through the back line. Horgan gets into an inside left channel and he plays a lovely way to pass across to Martin. We were thinking at the time he could open out and hit his right foot, but the way the way of the pass might be a little bit. Just the yard sort of slow and he checks back inside and hits a shot. And then um, after that, I think Rovers then stops the counter-attacks. The set-up a little, is a little bit better in that they stop the counter-attacks. They have a little bit more dominance in terms of their possession and their, their second and third attacks. And then they basically get a, a goal from a trademark set-piece, which is Lopez getting across the front post. And from then on, I didn't think Dundalk really threatened enough. You have a chance late on from a header from Cameron Elliott at the back post, and I, I just, I, I felt he should have done better. I think he should look and see who it is, and he has the height advantage against Cavanagh. I think he should get there. He gets there a little bit too early and gets underneath it. I think he should time it better, plant himself, hold Cavanagh off, and just head it. He doesn't need to jump. He has a, he has a good bit of height advantage on Cavanagh. Cavanagh's clever, use his body, and that was the, that was the story of the night really. Rovers will take. A bit of heart from the game, and that they didn't. They played well without being as dominant as they normally are. You get a good goal, but they also get Trevor Clark back on the pitch. Ferrugia will hopefully be back. They're getting their injured players back at the right time. And um, Grace comes back in with Lopez and Cleary, and, and they look a little bit 
um, more solid. They're able to empty the bench and get good players on where they probably hadn't been do, been able to do that. So, look, there's eight games to go now. You have a big game next week in the derby um, on Friday. Bows are, are coming, are doing well as well. They're scoring goals. Afalabi's the most informed striker in the league at the moment. So, um, they're in a good place, but they know that you have to stop giving up the chances that they're giving up because against the better team or a more clinical team, I think they, they could get punished. But they have bowls and then they have to go to Derry. Um, we'll chat about bowls and Derry in, in, a, in a little bit, Johnny. I just want to ask you about Pats first of all because as it stands, they're, they're the best placed team. Now they're four points behind them. Now there's a lot of speculation about Adam Murphy the last week. Um, you know, he possibly could be on the way to, to Bristol City before the window ends, but that's not definitive yet. Um, where do you see them in, in terms of all of this? Like, I, I think I understand St. Pat's fans being reluctant to say that they're in a title race. I, I do get that because it's almost like they don't want to put the hex on it. And I don't think anyone would have seen this coming even a month ago, but they're in it. You know, they, they dug out a, a kind of scrappy win against UCD on Friday night. Um, can they go the distance? Well, look, you know, I know some, as you say, the Pats fans are saying they're not in the tight race, but John, Jonathan said at the air, you know, and, mm. uh, like the four points off, absolutely scrappy win the other day. Great to get, it's a bit like Rovers getting players back in, Redmond coming back in, huge for Pats, gets the goal from the, the, the weekend, keeps them in it. Goal difference might be a problem with them, but, uh, they have a tricky one now coming up next week away to Shells. Shells are probably the hardest team to play against. So organised, 100% effort all around the pitch. Really, really hard to break down. And uh, But look, as I, as I said on this programme before, I think, you know, Pats are on a, on a free hit this season. I think Jonathan has come in. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, and... I think it's a brilliant opportunity to have a go at Rovers this year. They might get another chance to be this close to Rovers again next year with, with the group that Rovers have. Um, and the way Rovers are, they're not fighting at 100%, and they haven't been all season. you know. So it's a really good opportunity. They've got to just stay on Shamrock Rovers' coattails. Rovers and Bowers the weekend. Anything could happen there. Um, so look... Yes, I do think they have a chance. I really do think they have a chance. Um, and they just got to keep going. You know, The goal difference could be an extra point for, for Shamrock Rovers. I think they probably about seven or eight goals on the difference, with, you know, goal difference. You know, Denny have a back. Denny's, uh, Denny's game in hand is against UCD, so they should pick up the points there. So Denny, that should bring Denny up, you know, level if, if things are going right. So, you know, Bowers are hanging in with 47. If Bowers get the win the weekend, look, it's been brilliant. You know, we, we eight games to go, as Graham says. You know, the top four uh, have a huge influence on it. And they're just waiting for Shamrock Rovers to slip up. And it's only one game, Anthony. You know, it's not like it's two or three. Or, you know, but it's only one game. And, you know, as I said, Pats away to the, the Shells the weekend. Rovers and Bowers. I'm doing a bit at the Derry and Dundalk match the weekend myself and uh, Dundalk at Derry. So there's a lot going to give the weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really exciting. But I do think Pats have a good chance, absolutely. And still in the cup as well, John, you know. You know, and, you know, from a coach's point of view or a manager's point of view, to go into training every day 
and to be still in them competitions, it, it's brilliant because, you know, lads are coming in, they're fighting for their places, the standard of training, the levels of, in training are huge, so high. You know, there's, there's no there's no slack in training because, as you say, cup matches, you know, going for league, going for European spots. So, and that's the way it should be. You know, that's and it's brilliant from a manager's point of view that it gives you that. The options of who to pick, who not to pick. Is your squad big enough? Can you rotate it round? But fellas knocking at your door asking why you're not playing and everyone's giving 100%. And, you know, some people will take a look at it, you know, the cup is a distraction. It's not, it's, it's, they're in all competitions, they win them and to go as far as you can. And I, I would just, it'd be brilliant to be involved, you know, to be still in the cups and still in the league and, and fight for Europe as well. It was a great game as Daily Mount, Graham, um, Bowles and Terry, two hours. It's probably, I mean, it's, it's the draw that Shamrock Rovers probably wanted that result more than anyone else. But you know, still keeps them both in it. Um, just just a word on Derry. Like they've had a really challenging week uh, between Europe Cup two penalty shootouts uh, defeats in a row. Then you have to go to Daly Mount. Uh, I think next they have Dundalk away. So you know they're they're coming through it. Like they 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 could have won that game at, at both. They could have lost it as well. Very good game. Um, are they the biggest threat to Shamrock Rovers? No, no disrespect at all to St. Pat's because they are in it and it is, you know, it is the minute of three, certainly three, four horse race, but are Derry best equipped to push them right to the edge here? Um, I probably feel they are. I, I think where they're a little bit ahead of Pat's would be their experience or their attacking players, uh, McElhenney, Duffy, uh, McMullen that they brought in from Dundee had a good season in the championship with them winning it last year. Uh, I still think they need. I still think they're lacking a striker. Um, so it's a little. That's a little bit contradictory at times. But Conor Carty's a young lad for St Pat's, a young striker. He's doing really well. Lonigan's coming in. He had a really good season at UCD again. Still under twenty. Mason Media comes off the bench at fifteen, and what they're bringing Pat's is an energy and an enthusiasm. And I've seen it in the when the game they played against Bowles. They came on and changed the game a little bit. Uh, and just by their energy and enthusiasm, where what they already have is a little bit of experience in these players that have won leagues at different clubs and they're they're coming down the stretch. And you can see that with Duffy. The Brody bought in Danny Mullen has, a, has had a decent career in, in Scotland as well. And you're hoping that he can score goals. I think he can. You've seen that with the chances he had against um Bowles the other night, he scores one, but he has one just by the post as well. So they're hoping he can get going. Um, that's the that's the little bit of maybe it's a cash 22 at times where there they have a bit more experience, but they, they haven't won the league as a group themselves. Pats have a little bit of youth on the side where they're probably just playing off enthusiasm and energy and thinking this is great as well. I've been really impressed with John Daly since he's come in. I think he's been excellent. He's relaxed on what he's trying to do. He's trying to go and win games, which is brilliant. He's not just happy to to, to see out draws and stuff. He, he's firmly believed they're in a title race. Um, but Derry's mental strength to go to to go to Bowles and to go one 0 down after 15 minutes. There's a delay over the the floodlights. Everything that can go wrong for them in the last two weeks has gone wrong for them. Um, then they come back and they're they're two one up by half time. It's a really poor decision from Diallo to make the tackle and it gives them the penalty. They're unlucky then to not go maybe 3-2 up um, with the chances that they have late on. 
But Bowes are fighting as well, and Bowes are a threat now in terms of going forward. Like I think James Clark has been brilliant for him since he's come in. I touched on it in doing the game two weeks ago. He got man of the match in Inchi Core. And we were saying how I think Afalabi has benefited from playing room as well because you see the first goal, Afalabi drops in and Clark is willing to run beyond them. And nobody probably really done that at the start of the season. Ali Cute was really good for Bowes, but he's not the type that wants to run beyond people. He, he wants to come and play all the time and drop into inside left and inside right channels where Clark, he probably isn't the quickest neither, will run beyond and he done that and scored and and you can see that with him that I think Afalabi enjoys playing with him because he's in contact with him constantly but from Derry's point of view they've, they've got to go away to Dundalk next week I, I I thought Dundalk played well again on Talat they were decent enough on the counter-attack and they look a threat now with Horgan in the team Um, but if Derry want to go and have really tight ambitions they have to go and beat beat Dundalk next week and lay down a marker and say, look, win their game in hand. Then they then all of a sudden that they have Rovers in two weeks as well and they need to go and beat them as well. I do think the likes of Pats and, and Derry, if they are going to wrestle this title away from Rovers, they need to beat them in the games that they have against them. That That's the big thing. If you are going to be a title challenger, you need to go and take it from somebody that already has it. And if they are going to take a title away, you need to beat Rovers, either one of them, to, to really consider to really go and take the title away from Shamrock Rovers. Can I just just on that, Anthony? Just uh, can you hear me there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, with with Derry going to one up, up against Bowes, like sometimes that's just the difference of you know hanging on, Graham. Yeah. And, you know, they're they the they're the matches. Like you spoke about Rovers earlier on about Dundalk could have been a Rovers hung on. They managed the game out. They got the three points. And the difference it, coming away from Daily Mount with three points would give everyone a huge lift for Derry. Whereas you come away with just the one point, you know, whereas you a brilliant chance of coming away with the three points. And I think mentally, as Anthony, as you said, losing the matches in Europe, you know, penalty shootouts against Pats in, in, in the Cup. And this this weekend, as I said, away to Dundalk, when you've touched on Dundalk, they played really well. You know, if they don't get a result there, that could knock them right back mentally. You know, even though if the players come back and what you're saying, Graham, I just think with them not coming away with daily mount with that three points, and I, I, I know back through my own career that you, you always think back and say that was the game, that was the one that turned it for us. Whereas you come away from somewhere, as you say, you might be getting battered and you win one nil, but you got the three points, and that just pushes you on and spurs you on. And uh, I just think that match against Bowles, as much as say. Get a point of balls is, is okay, but he's a brilliant opportunity to come away with the three points. Pat's come away with sticky with the three points, and Rovers definitely come away with, against Dundalk with the three points. And sometimes that's just the difference. Yeah, I, I do. I agree. I, I 100%, Johnny. I think, especially when you consider it was a silly challenge in the box that he doesn't need to make yeah. the yellow. I think that type it just looks like it's, it's a tired tackle, mentally sort of tired as well. That physically he's tired from the, the the games, the European games. I think the fact that they probably have five days going into this game, this is the first time they've had it in a while, might help them. But they do, you're right, it's about just going out and performing. And then if you don't perform, it's making sure you come away with three points. And some of the games that you haven't played well in where you win, you look at each other and think, got away with one there, but we just roll on and and that's what they need to bring to their to their season. They, they don't. And they, they're not grinding out many, like, you know, in terms of just yeah. scrappy wins, like, you know. 
But they've been unlucky. There's no way with it, isn't it? You see, the lad, he's been injured, hasn't he? He's done his cruise shit again. So we're talking about they need a forward. Like, he, he's watching at UCD, really, really good player going places, and then he, he does his cruise shit again. So they've been very, very unlucky with the injuries yeah. there as well. Let, let's just have a little look at the other end of the table because it was a huge win for draw the United, Johnny, uh, over Cork City. Um, Cork have, have gone through gone through the ringer in the last couple of months between uh, one thing and another and the, the, the status of the, the managerial status and everything else there but um, you've got to take a hat off to draw it as well now, they're eight points clear of that ninth place spot now um, Kevin Doherty has, has done a very solid job there you know part time club uh, I think one of the standout things about them this season and, and last season actually they're very fit like they're, they're they always uh, they're a real strong second half team. Like just in terms of managerial insight, how difficult is is it to do that now in in that division where you're coming up against a lot of full time clubs? Um, they're never found wanting in that regard. Uh, how tough is just that aspect of it alone? Well, you know, I'm sure at the start of the season, Kevin looks his budget and the players that he has. You know, from a coach and a manager's point of view, you go, well, the first thing you need to do is be as fit as every team in the league. And, you know, th- that's something that you don't need money to do, Anthony. You can work on your players, you can get them fit, mentally fit, get them prepared. They know what's coming down the line. If we're going to get out now every game, we need to be 100%. A bit like Shelbourne in the, over the last year or two, you know, Duffer's done the same there. He's got them fit, he's moving around, he's getting players in. But from Drada's point of view, yeah, that would be my starting point with him. This is it, lads. We've got to be 100% every week. Everyone needs to be at it. You know, fitness levels, as I said, doesn't cost any money to get you fit. And, you know, and from Kevin's point of view and Darren's point of view, what they've done, yeah, as you say, with the lads part-time, they're probably, they're part-time, but mentally they're probably full-time. They're probably doing their own stuff, you know, in groups, away from their training sessions. You know, Kevin had the opportunity to go to Cork. He's, you know, Kevin's been around the game a fair bit. He's, he served his time under different managers and uh, he knows his way around the block. And they're comfortable at the moment. You know, he's done the same last year. And again, you know, you look at them, if, if they could get a bit of financing and maybe that's what he said on board. Maybe the club said, look, for next season, we'll get, we'll get your money, we'll get... And he'll, he'll only need two or three players to be up there where Shells and Dundalk are. And uh, yeah, they've done a fantastic job. But from, as you say, he asked me the question, yeah, get them fit, keep them at it. And that's what they bought into. They they haven't tried to, you know, be nice and play it out, play it through the towards, be lovely and keep possession and all that. No, they just keep walking. They never give up on anything. The game is never over. They chase every ball. They're looking for every point in, in the season. And, they, they, you know, I've wrote down beside them here that they're safe. They should be safe at this stage. Uh, you know, they've... They've UCD this weekend. They could just, you know, they could just you know, put the nail in the coffin this weekend, and, and that's it. You know, they, if you get the three points at UCD, I think they're all right. Cork play Sligo as well, so that you know that 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 be a huge game. But well done, Kevin, and well done, Drott. They're not over the line, but I think they're very very close to it. And, and they can play a bit as well, Graham. I mean, they did go to Shamrock Rovers and, and had a brilliant win in Tala. It's you know they're obviously well organised and fit and dog and all the rest, but they they've got some nice footballers, don't they? I think they mix the game up well. I think that's the, the thing is they scored one of the best team goals you see in Tala. Um, it was a wonderful well-worked goal. I think you play a, I think it's Dale Rooney 
uh, gets played in with a lovely ball around the around the front of the defenders, and he takes a touch and finishes. It was a fantastic goal, and that gives them a historic victory away in Tala, which they've a good record against Shamrock Rovers this year. But they do they mix the game up really well. I watch back um, a lot of this game. Cork would probably we have to touch on it. Obviously, Cork would obviously feel a little bit aggrieved with the sending off at the time. I thought it was a little bit harsh. Um, you know, if somebody's trying to get your push your injured player off, your own player off the pitch, and you come over and help them. I, I think they get a second yellow for that. I think it's a bit harsh. Um, I think the penalty's a bit soft as well. The the, the winning penalty, but by that stage, look, it was the ninety fifth minute. It doesn't have a beard, and it's probably just an extra kick in the teeth for Cork. But Kevin's done an unbelievable job. I thought of the. You have a tight squad. You walk off small numbers, which helps with their fitness because they're constantly playing. And they have a lot of games in them. He's brought in some young lads. You've also lost massive Draper up front, which they lost halfway through the season. And they lost a the centre-back who went to Norwich, who's been fantastic as well. So it's not like they've, they've kept this... Oh, well, we've had a top striker. that's They've lost him as well, and they're still managing to... And that's a massive win. I think they probably would have targeted this Cork game this Cork and UCD game and says we, we take six points from the next two games and we're done here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also, like you said, they also have the cup still to play for. They've got bows at home. I think anybody going to draw the, um, I think draw the will fancy anybody coming up to United, to United Park or Weavers Park um, with the form they're in up there and know it's a tough place to go. Um, so from that point of view, it's a top season for draw to get the four final of a cup Um being with a chance to, to probably knock balls out as well um, and to be safe at this stage of the season, being one of the only part-time teams in the league, I think it's I think it's a tremendous season for Kevin and, and, and Dara and the boys up there. And they're up to seventh because Sligo were, were beaten by shells and, and Sligo, I mean, talk about just not ever being able to gain any kind of positive momentum. In the early parts of the season, there was, there was games where they looked really good. It's just... Yeah. I've done, done a game at Tala, Anthony, and the build-up play was brilliant. But it's like, again, and Johnny will touch on this, you can have all the nice play for three quarters of the pitch. You just couldn't score. And the final ball or the, the, the final decision-making, the final tour just wasn't there. It was like a blunt knife. just wasn't going to cause any damage at all. And and the build-up play was brilliant. And then they, you see the decision they make to let the goalkeeper go on loan. And then they go, and then the keeper that comes in makes a, a really poor mistake against Shells and hands them the game. Like, again, they were in the game, they were playing well, Shells were good in it. It was a bit of an end-to-end game. The goalkeeping, the goalkeeping mistake probably favours Shells then, but then obviously Shells miss a penalty late on as well to probably kill the game, which Duff, Damien Duff will point that and say, look, we, did, we deserved should have won the game. We had a, a missed penalty, a retake and missed penalty, but I just don't know what's behind Sligo at the minute. You just, I don't know if they've just given up on the season. You know, I don't know. The optics of it just doesn't look right to me. I don't know what Johnny feels on it. I watched them recently against Pats. Uh, they also lost Matt to the, the goal scorer as well. So that's that was a bit of a blow to them as well. I watched them against Pats up in Sligo and um, well in the game, as Graham alluded to there. They can keep it, they can play it. Just no teeth in the last third, and really, you know, Pats controlled the game. Then after about fifteen minutes, Pats probably could have went up another gear. But just 
you know, I, I think I looked at them and I, uh, I was saying, do the players think they're safe? Do they think it's all right? You know, we're not going to be relegated. They're in that part of the table, this part of the season where, you know, and we be okay and there's not not a big squad, so we'll be all we'll play every week and to the, to the detriment, you know, they they've lost a few games and they're, they're down there in the scrap. And when you're down there and you're not a hundred percent, you know, things can happen very quickly and things can happen very nastily and you could end up in a playoff. As I said, you know, in the playoffs, Waterford would probably be in the playoff in the first division. And they're, they're strong, and I wouldn't fancy playing Waterford if it was down that end of the table. But it's been a disastrous season for Sligo, if you ask me. It really has. You know, they should be up ahead of Drotty. They should be up ahead, probably, with Shells and Dundalk, you know, chasing the top four in, in behind Bowes. So it's been a poor season. They need to just pull the wagon, circle the wagons. They need to make sure they stay up. They need to reassess the season have a look at what happened, get a bit of feedback and see what, how they can improve, what players they can bring in because, you know, it can't go on in the next season like this. The crowds won't come in, you know, when they're doing well up in Sligo, the crowds are 100% behind them. The place is great, the stadium is great and they, they just need to make sure that they're okay and pick up a couple of wins and stay in the division. But it hasn't been a good season whatsoever. Probably take a leaf out, drop this book, become a little bit more hard, a little bit more difficult to play against. Mix the game up a little bit more, be a little bit more together, get a better shape about them at times. But fight, Johnny touched on it with Drotter, that you fight and scrap and battle for everything. And it's never an easy game against them. So sometimes you watch Sligo and teams are just seeing out the games willy nilly against them. Or they don't, like Johnny said, Pats don't even have to break a sweat to, to, to finish the game off against them. But, and that's the thing is that togetherness and want to look we're going to make this difficult because we don't want just coming down here in, in our we play each other four times so if this game's going to be tough you know it's going to be tough the next one as well we're coming again we're not going away it's the same draw to have that thing where you see draw and you roll your eyes here we go this is going to be a battle you're not getting that out of Sligo where considering where they are in the league it's probably a must yeah we all want to I agree they play some lovely football they're very easy to play against as well and I don't, I don't think the two of them are mutually exclusive I think you can play good football and be tough to play against and I, I think at the moment they're not they're not either and, you, you know I mean, I mean nobody can play there's absolutely yeah. no doubt you can run play but sometimes you know if you're good at that that's fine but you need to work on what you're not good at maybe that's the feminine side of it you know I, I see lots of teams now and playing out the back getting around playing and making mistakes Sometimes you just got to eradicate that. You look at the top teams in England. Liverpool don't play a lot from the back. Sometimes they go direct. Man City will go direct. Sometimes they get a wide, nice and early. You know, so it's not all about uh, there's this thing that we have to get it down and play it in the keep or play it out through the torch and all that. So you just take the game as as what it is. And I, I'm looking at teams now and going, are they working enough on the defensive side of the game? Even the top teams that you're saying, yeah, we, we know we can play. I mean, but let's. Be strong on the defensive side of the game and make sure that we're 100% in, in, all, in all parts of, of facets of our, of our play. And sometimes with the, with the lesser teams, they feel they have to play. And I don't think they should. I think they feel they should have to defend. Start the game. You start the game with a point. And sometimes you've got to say, we've got to scrap away and make sure we get the point over. And if you defend well and, you know, you, you, can, you can get a goal with set piece or something like that, then it builds the confidence. But I just feel sometimes... The teams don't walk on the defensive side. 
I think, and that's where I think Shells have excelled in the last two seasons. They, they, they've conceded the least amount of goals. Defensively, their set-up as organisation is fantastic. They don't give up chances. Struggle sometimes to set pieces, which would, would frustrate, I know, Joey O'Brien in particular, uh, considering he walked under Sam Allardyce. Uh, they, they probably, on the flip side of it, they don't get enough credit for how they play because they're defensively so good that people think oh, they're a defensive team. I, I don't think you I don't think the two of them are mutually exclusive. I say this all the time when we speak about even the Irish national side. Oh, but we're playing more expansive football. Doesn't mean you can't defend. Man City have the best defensive record in the Premier League. They score the most goals as well. You can the top teams will do both. Um so I, I and that so me me mentioning I don't want I know Damien can get a little bit like, oh well, you said we were a defensive team. I'm not. I think they have the best defensive setup in the league. They play good football as well on top of that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with being defensively organised and set up and working for your team. And, and the show's buying as well. Uh, of course, everybody wants to be expansive and play good football. But you're, if you can see the more than you're scoring, something has to give. Like, <laughs> and that's where I, 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 I actually enjoy watching Damien's teams defend. I think they all defend and put that body on the line for each other. And, it, and it's good to watch, like, you know. Well, you're afraid. Two centre backs. Two centre backs. Yeah, well, it's like I mean, fellas defend. He defends. You know, if you, you want defenders who can play as well, absolutely. And a bit of pace at the back. You know, you can let your wing backs go on or whatever you might be in your tree. But you know, the defending is part of the game. Really, really is. Absolutely. Sorry for harping on about it, but it's just my part of the game. I like it. Well, they, they, they have nowhere to hide this Friday because they go to Turner's Cross to, to play Cork City. They're six points ahead of Cork as it stands. Cork are ninth. Um, UCD are, are cut adrift at the bottom, but that is an absolutely huge game. And what about this for a set of fixtures? Because <clears throat> Dundalk hosts Derry City and Oreo. Uh, Shells play Pats. Um, Drada play UCD down at Weavers Park. And then we have a, absolutely a, a blockbuster Shamrock Rovers versus Bowles. At Tallis Stadium, it's great, isn't it, Graham? Just, just for the league on a wider point. I mean, just to have a game like this at this point of the season. I know we're not exactly in the, you know, it's not like it's the last couple of games, but you know, there's still plenty on the line in pretty much all of those fixtures. Um, I, I think the fact that all play, I think the fact that they're all played generally at the same time as well. That you know, they'll be coming in after the game thinking, who won? And and I think. Um, I heard somebody say recently, it's probably the last, I think it was Gary Doyle had said, probably the last time since 2006 where there was four teams involved in the title race. And I remember it. I remember it well because you'd be coming in after the game going, hoping the team, you'd be nearly hoping for a draw in most of the games. Like, hope you drew, hope you drew. But then you'd be thinking, we need, sorry, we needed to win. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and I, I see that now, like, Rovers and Bowes will take care of itself because of the derby and, and, and everything that I think the Shells Pats one um has become a big game. Like I know that people are saying, Oh, there's a big rivalry here going back to probably the, the league title thing when Ollie claimed the league title for Shells and Pats and Brian Kerr claimed the league title for Pats. <laughs> uh I know Brian wasn't coaching at the time, but he probably just claimed it in any way. Um, then you have like yeah, Derry have to go. I think Derry have to go and beat Dundalk. I think out of, out of all them fixtures, I think that's the one that Derry have to go. Look, we need to go and beat. 
beat Dundalk here. Uh, I do feel... What about the scenario if Dundalk beat Derry? Yes, beat Pats and Bowles beat Rovers. That's going to really tighten up. That'll yeah. really win. I, I still think it's all the. I still think them three. I I still think it's as you were then. It, like I think whoever drops points that this weekend is gonna come out of it. Like if if say if the, even if Derry draw and Rovers lose, Derry will think right. We we've we've Rovers next week and it's it's the goal. I think the next two weeks is probably the most interesting. I know Pats have to play Rovers then with a game to go, the second last game of the season in Inchi Cork. I think that that's going to be massive as well. But Pats need to make sure that they were still running punching distance, um, striking distance going into that game. Uh, but do you know what? Like I say this all the time. You know, going into title challenges, you have to. These lads have to step up and do something. To challenge Rovers. You have to. You have to have. You have to go swinging. You can't just. Every year it gets close and people think it's a tight race. And the teams who, when they're expected to win, they're not winning. And Rovers just canter. And Rovers win the games they're expected to win and see out the title pretty easy. And they have done over the last few seasons. Bowles got within the shouting distance last year. Didn't touch them near the end. Um, the Rovers, again, had the league sewn up three games to go. This year they need to bring it right down to the last, the last game and see where it goes from there. And that's the thing. Winning when you're expected to win is a really tough thing to have. And once you get it, it's brilliant. But it's, it goes pretty quick. And I think uh, Derry and Pats need to get that. Win the games you're expected to win. Win the tight games as well. The big games you'll be up for, which is the Rovers games, obviously. But it's such a such an interesting weekend of football. If, if, if you just win your, if, you know, if you go win your match the weekend and then see what pans out, Graham, as you said, you look at what, what was your results. There's no you can't you can't affect the other results. So all you gotta do is go and affect your game. Make sure you know you talk to your players. Make sure they have an influence on the game. That you know they contribute to the game. That you know they do something in the game of the team. And you go and you win your match. And you go and you win your game and get your three points. And usually something else happens somewhere else. So you gotta just stay in the chase. You gotta stay up there with Rovers. You know if the results go the weekend and Rovers win their game. And all the results go the other way. You know, Rovers could be six points clear or whatever it is, seven points clear. And, you know, then they're running away. I hope that doesn't happen. And I don't mean that many disrespect to Shamrock Rovers. But just, I'd like you to keep going for the next few weeks, as you said, down to the last one or two games of the season, Brian. Yeah, and I also, like, they're going out of the cup. They'll go back to playing every week now. And they have to throw everything at this. You have to. You have to go, look, let's see how close we can get to even if you want to challenge for the next three or four years, you need to show. I agree with what Johnny's saying. Pats are throwing everything at it as well. I think you have to go for it because you don't know when the chance will come around again. You don't know what players Pats are going to lose. You don't know what's going to happen with Derry. Um, but you have to throw everything at it. When you're, when, when you're this close, you have to go for it. Okay, well, we... Uh... Yeah. Sorry, Sorry go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, well, we look forward to seeing how it all plays out. And uh, just, just from a neutral's point of view, it really would be great to get into the last three or four games with yeah. uh, more than you know two, three, even four teams still in it. But we'll move on because we are approaching an absolutely massive September on the international front for the men's and the women's teams. Uh, we'll start with the women's teams because today we're recording this podcast on Tuesday, the 29th of August, and uh, there's a very significant FAI board meeting taking place this evening. 
um, to discuss the future of Vera Pau. Um, after Ireland came back from the World Cup in Australia at the start of this month, uh, the FAO said they plan to undertake a full and comprehensive review of their performance at the tournament. So that review and the future of the manager will be up for discussion um, at that board meeting um, this evening. Uh, Granny, you know, it's funny, like, I think with this Ireland women's team, a lot of people will only have sort of come on board with them pretty recently, you know, having made the World Cup and the profile that comes with it. So a lot of people might be scratching their head about this. They're looking at Fair Pell, thinking, well, she, she took us to a World Cup. No, she's great. She's charismatic. She's loads of experience. Why are they considering not keeping her on? Um, but it's there's probably other factors at play here, is there? And and like Johnny's worked for an organisation, and um, we've all worked for football clubs at different points as either coaches or players and stuff. Um, I think with the way the FAR is trying to go is that they're bringing in, they're trying to bring in people that will work within their structure or framework of what they see is, is going forward. I think the impression you get from the FAI is that they're looking for somebody that will work within their framework of, of what's expected of a, of the coach. You know, this is what we see. This is, we'd like these things implemented into our squad. And I think you get the impression off here that it's, it's her way and this is the way she wants to do it. A, a, a small example of that would be a strength and conditioning coach, for example, or she doesn't believe in them. I don't think her husband believes in them, and she's implemented that onto the. So it's the only it it would be the only team involved in the underneath the FAO's umbrella that wouldn't have a strength and conditioning coach. Now that's just an example of one team. So Johnny would would understand that, and he's wearing his Faro uh, jersey it's, there. It's me new. It's me new Faro. It's the updated one I got in the post last week. Sorry, Glenn. There you go. So you, you keep sending them gear, like, but you have to work under their framework because they're it's their organization and it's their country and it's their, this is the way you work. And I think with the way the FAI are trying to go is that they they bring in people that look. We brought you in because we value you and we really appreciate what you do and, and we'd like you to do what you do with us, but this is the framework and the structure that you're going to work under. And I just get the impression with Vera, it's generally her way and what she wants to do and how she does it. And I think that that's the impression you get off the FEI is like, look, we're br it's brilliant that you've taken us this far and it's great and what she's achieved is fantastic and full credit to her to get Ireland to a World Cup considering, again, these women had to go on strike 10 years ago nearly to get tracksuits and to get all the right stuff. So the, the, the growth of the women's game in this country is going through the roof at the minute. And she's been a massive part of that. But I do feel that maybe the FAI are looking to bring her on another level, that everything has to be done under their umbrella and under what they see is the right way of doing it. And, and that's, the, that's the feeling I, I get out of it looking in on it. But there was also, Johnny, uh, a fairly public sort of argument around with, with the captain, Katie McCabe, um, on the pitch in the Nigeria game. Like, I mean, it, it, as a manager, if you're in a position where, you know, if, if there's tension between you and your captain or tension between you and your senior players, is there any way back? Can you work through that? Can everybody be professional and get on with it? Or is that sort of a red flag that's, that's difficult to, to come through? I think it's not as simple as just, you know, people talking about it from the outside. I, I can understand both sides of it. I can understand Katie's side of it. She's coming from 
the Arsenal side of it where she's working at, you know, high performance with Arsenal. She's their best player, you know. So there's a big gulf between where Katie is and where, her, you know, her players are in the squad of the 26. So, you know, can we get, you know, she she's working every day at a high performance level. She's coming to Ireland. She's got to leave her bag, her Arsenal bag outside and take up her FAI bag. Vera absolutely understands what we have to do to win a match. Absolutely. And the players have to buy into that. They bought into that by qualifying for the World Cup. Graham said, brilliant, well done. So if she she knows that if she, if she plays an open, expansive football, we could lose. Katie might say, but we could we might do better. We might, you know, get goals, it might help us along the way. I know you agree with you know with both sides. So you know, with the FAU, you know, with the review, if Vera doesn't stay and we don't know what's gonna happen. It looks like she won't stay the way things are, are, are panned out. But have you got a five-year plan? I've spoke about this on a three-year plan. I watched the fair. I was actually playing the under-16 girls the other day. I'm looking at them girls at 16. I'm going, how many of these will play for a senior international team now in two or three years' time or four years' time? How many of them will be at Arsenal? How many of them are at Liverpool, West Ham? So I think that's the bigger picture, Anthony. Yeah, I think we need to keep the ship afloat and we need to keep it driving on with the senior international team and try and qualify, and whether with that's with Vera, but I think the bigger picture is, it's what's coming behind, the high performance, the development of the girls, the women's game, or the girls' game, and I think that's the bigger picture, whereas, you know, we, we're walking up to a, a high performance levels, you know, playing matches against teams that, you know, maybe would have beat us a couple of years ago, the way you're going to beat the fellows the other day, so we need to find our levels, and we need to give these girls a chance, and we need to give them the best coaching, we need to give them the best finances, we need to give them the best support. That won't happen overnight. But whoever's in charge of the, of the senior international team, yeah, will have to buy into what the FAO's plan is, as Graham says. But sometimes you have to just keep the ship afloat by winning matches and qualifying for tournaments and making them, you know, end of the money and end of the coefficient and the status for the for the for the game. So it, it, it's not just one way or the other. There's a bit of both until you finally merge the two together and then we can push it up there. So I think this is a plan of maybe three to four years. As I said, I watched Ireland playing France prior to the World Cup and the French were miles ahead physically, technically, you know, you know, all the players compared against air players. I, I thought that's my opinion. So I'm saying that three to five years, can we be at that level in the top five in the world, in the top six in the world? It's a big ask, but you have to have a plan. So let's not just focus on, is it going to be just the international manager? Who's it going to be? It's about what's coming behind and what the plan is and what our progress is going to be over the next few years. Yeah. You could actually make the, you could make the exact same point for the, for the men's game here because we, we're going to touch on what's coming as well, but it's the exact same point. Like we, we're going to go away and play France and then play Holland. And when we, we, we might be able to compete for a little bit in them, but what they have coming behind them compared to what we do, we need to make sure that like what's coming can compete over the next 10 years against these nations. It's the same for the, for everything. And it doesn't improve unless air facilities improve. Our coaching improves, our um, our respect towards the industry in this country improves. You know, we get cute. I get cute. Johnny might be the same. We need more full time coaches in this country, and people say, "Oh, you're only looking for a job." 
no. Well, what about the lads that are still playing now that are going to come out of the game? It's for them. It's to help them because they're going to go into an industry where they might get a job as a full-time coach. There's, like we've done it and we've lived it and we realise it's tough being a full-time coach in this country because it's so erratic. But we're trying to make it and we're speaking on behalf so that the, the lads who are coming out of the game in the next five years are going to go into an industry where they can go in and coach full-time. And, and Johnny was similar as a player that he probably would have seen my generation being used or able to be full-time and play in Ireland. And he was playing for Pats in the 90s and seeing all of us in the 2000s going, geez, I would have loved him to do that. But we've done it off the back of the lads who played unbelievable football in the 90s. We've done it off the back of their hard work. And it's the same with the coaches that are coming. They're going to go and get full-time coaching jobs off the back of the likes of what Johnny's done as a coach or, or people like myself or other people who have sort of pushed away to go, let's have full-time coaching in this country so that we can improve the standard of football going forward for the next 20 years. Not just because we want to stay in the game and get paid the coach. It's because, no, we feel we can impact the next generation of players to come. Graham, sorry, I'll just come in on that. and I'll just come in from my perspective as a coach. You know, I've worked at under-15 international level. I've been at World Cup wins. I've worked with a senior international team in Euros and stuff like that. You know, I've done Europe, Europa Cup, Champions League, all that. Nobody ever asked me, Johnny, how did you do that? What, how, how did that happen? What did you do going into that event? And, you know, the knowledge that, say, I have, fellas like Paul Doolan has, you know, no one ever asked me. No one ever says, Johnny, I'm not looking for a job. Absolutely not. But the knowledge that's around can help the young guys. I think there's some brilliant young coaches, absolutely fantastic young coaches. But sometimes you just need a little bit of help. A little bit of knowledge sometimes helps. And uh, as I said, I'm not saying I need a job or whatever, but the amount of knowledge that people have that they can help with, Sometimes you can you can give your 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 point of view or whatever, and it might just help the international teams along the way, whatever it might be, the, the league teams along the way, and that's what that's what other countries do. I, I was at local finals in in the UAE, and England had two coaches over there watching all the other countries playing. They didn't even go to the England games. They watched all the other countries, the way they play, the systems, talking about philosophies. You know, that was there. They were doing that then. How they played, how the other teams played, you know, blocks, the way the Brazilians played with the forward and midfield and, you know, the box and midfield. They were doing that years ago. And the, and the English coaches were there and bringing all that data back and giving it to the English FA. Did it help them? I'm sure it did. But I'm just saying, some people are there and there's knowledge there that can be used. And that's all I'd say. To enhance and help, you know, all the, all the teams... You know, whether it's international teams or European teams, and people are willing to help. So, sorry, that's just my rant about that. Yeah, and I mean, just just we should mention as well, Spain obviously have major off the field issues with the this, the football president Luis Rubiales and the crazy situation that's unfolding there. But uh, they are world champions. They also, if you look at their underage teams, under nineteen, under twenty one, under seventy, they they almost they had a decade of almost unbroken success so that there's an incredible football culture in that country but look we will just move on then to Stephen Kenny because uh, he announces his squad for the games against France and the Netherlands on Thursday and there have been sort of suggestions and reports earlier this summer that he needs four points uh, to keep his job is that fair Graeme I mean that's that's a big ask I don't think that's fair no I don't think you can put points on keeping your job I don't think that's fair in, in, in the game I think you're away to France. Look, 
like they got their foot, they played them on the best final, World Cup finals ever only eight months ago, nine months ago. They probably the, the best, the most outstanding talent in, in the world playing up front. Like, I, like the, the pool of players that they have is a joke, France, in terms of the quality that they can pick. Um, to go there and get anything, you know, I, I, I just can't see it. I, I'm sorry, like I just can't see us going and, and, and getting anything out of France game. Or Ireland at home to Holland is a different different kettle of fish. But I think if they can go and put in a, a performance uh, away to France and try and carry that performance, any bit of moral victory you can get out of that and take that into the Holland game, I think that's the best you can hope for. And then hopefully put in a performance against Holland that can get you a win. I think if you beat Holland and lose to France, I still think that's a successful thing. I can't see either of them. I can't see us beating France. Uh, and I think if we if we could, I think you're relying on the Aviva crowd and the, and the atmosphere around that game to maybe galvanise us a bit into getting any type of result out of the Holland game. But I don't think Holland are any great shakes neither in terms of how they're performing, but they still have much. I just think they still have a quality of squad that's above ours at the moment. Um, considering where the players are playing and the level they're playing at. So, look, at, you know, France, Holland, you, you, like, you're even looking at it, you're, you have your head in your hands going, oh, here we go. Like, and, and I mean that from any era. Like, it's not just it's not just because of or it might be struggling at the moment. I think if you play France and Holland in, back in the 90s, you'd be still thinking that. I think the difference back then was you had top-class players in the Ireland squad, the likes of Roy Keane, Robbie Keane, Duff, Jay Given and Gold, who are playing at a really high level. Um, I just don't think we have that at the moment with this squad to go up against these two juggernauts of world football. How do you say it, Johnny? Um, difficult, absolutely difficult. Um, France can turn around and be absolutely magnificent, as Graham said. Holland are trying to bounce back. We don't know what's going on in the background there. They need to they need to, to get points. You know, they need to do something. Uh, we could end up on three points after the, the two games. You know. I just think from, from Stephen's point of view that what he's done in the development of the senior international team by developing the player and giving the players a chance to play, you know, in their development along the way, some of these players might have never got international. Caps uh, under different under other managers, and at this regime, I think what's going to happen is the next manager is going to benefit from what Stephen stuck his neck out to do. I'm not saying we we done everything right and 100 proper, but he's given these players the, the the chance to go and play at this level, at international level, and I think the next manager that comes along will will benefit from this. Uh, I don't see us. I really don't see us getting a lot out of the two games. I have to be honest, Anthony. You ask me, and that's no disrespect to the players or the manager. I really don't. And uh, I just think you know they've got so much going on. Greece, don't forget, Greece are there. You know, they've they've six points as well. Again, we're looking at early the national teams. We we look at Ireland. We look at Glenn talks about you know development and you know the the way that it's structured here, the business of it. Look at Croatia. We five or six million people as well, Anthony. I want to know how they do that. How do they produce these players? 
What did they do? What did they do at 10, 12? Like, are we looking in the wrong places or do we think we have all the answers and we deal with open habits down on our own? I want to know how far away should do it. Qualify for semi-finals, finals and Euros and their underage teams. So sometimes you just got to look outside the box. And, you know, I just, I, I just, I'd love us to be able to, to, to be there competing. And, we're, you know, we're not saying, oh, if I get a point off and I get a draw here. Like, can we go and qualify? It's brilliant to qualify. It's brilliant for everything. It lifts all the boats. But, you know, I'm just looking and saying, this Croatia, that's just my point of view. How do Croatia do it? We've been left behind, Johnny. Look, and you see, you we go around Europe, and I've been around Europe looking at teams, and there's no bigger one that's left us behind than England. And he and Johnny touched on it, and and we say it constantly. England redone their academy system twenty years ago, and they flooded it. The FA flooded it financially. There's lads building new academies on top of academies that, like Liverpool, have a new academy. 20 years ago, been I there, yep, and, been and I played in the new academy. And they've built a new one since. You know, and Man City have built a new one. Like, they're all building new academies on top of the academies that were already built 30 years ago. And we haven't even built one. And and then we're saying, why can't we compete? And and the fan in the street will look at the top level of and go, why aren't we competing? We, we used to have all these top players. And you're going... Yeah, we're still doing the same thing we've done 30 years ago, but every other country has moved on. Every other country has moved on. They've improved their, their coaching structures. They've improved their facilities. And they've improved, and the contact errors that these players are getting constantly is twice as much as theirs. And then when you go, why can't we compete? Well, if somebody's doing twice the work that you are, how are you going to compete against them over the season? Like, it's over the, like, over the course of a career. It's just not happening. So again, it goes back to the finances that I've put into it to bring it to that level. We're playing catch up. And and Johnny was very clever in saying he went and watched all these other nations, England. England have won the under England won the under twenty ones tournament. They've been to the final of a tour, of a Euros, they've been to a, a semi final of a World Cup. Like it's not that hasn't happened because all of a sudden uh, the, the top level got their act together. It wasn't the top level that got the act together. It was all the other stuff coming up underneath it that, that allowed the top to flourish. And then you, you still get your, your jewels in it. Like, Jill Bellingham comes out of Birmingham and now he's playing for Real Madrid. He's like, and you're going, so even their second tier championship academies are got, got their act together to the point where they can do that. And and we're we're 15 years behind it. And the problem, the worry I have, and it's not to be all doom and gloom about it, but the worry I have is there's nothing in place to even try and catch up. There's nothing to go, look, let's build all these regional academies around the country. Let's invest in the players. Let's, the players first. Let's invest in them. What do they need to get to where they need to be? What do they need well, maybe, to train their hours? Yeah, nothing. Maybe the FEI are not here, so in, in fairness, like, there's no one here in the FEI to say, well, this is what we're doing, that's in place. So, you know, maybe some of the FEI someday will come on, Anthony, and, and give their point of view. But, you know, it's an argument, and it's it's an argument, and as Graham said, not to be negative, it's an argument because you want it to do well. You want Correct. it to work. Yeah. I'm doing it. it is. Like, we want the international teams to work. We want to be there. We want to be knocking on the door. We want to be producing players. Scotland are starting to do it. You know, Wales are qualifying for tournaments. 
So like, well, we we beat we beat, like, we beat Scotland in the in the Victory Shield down in Waterford, right? Three one, better team. We won't, we beat them. We've gone and competed over in Italy in a tournament and under 16s. We won that as well. Jason Donahue's team, fantastic. So we are we have got the talent up to a certain point, but they they whatever they do from the 16 age group to getting them into where they need to be is is something that we need to really buy into and go how again as Johnny said how do you do that we like what we like that element of it and we're going to bring it over and put a little bit of an Irishness on it and and bring it do it our way but that has to be and I look I do feel it's coming I do feel this change that they're going to go look we need to really make an effort here because there's no point in fixing the top if there's nothing underneath it to support it and and that's where I think the other nations have, have got ahead of us uh, by a good bit in, over the last 15 years. Okay, well, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, Ireland play France on the 7th of the sem- uh, September, excuse me, that's a Thursday, and then they have the Dutch uh, at the Aviva on the Sunday. The Republic of Ireland women's team play Northern Ireland uh, at the Aviva Stadium on the 23rd of September. That's a historic fixture. It's the first time that the women's team have played uh, at that venue. And uh, it does look likely that there'll be a new manager or at least an interim manager in place uh, by that stage. Just, just a very quick run through of the Women's FAI Cup action at the weekend. Shamrock Rovers, um, that non-league, Kalesta, Donna Carney, 8-0 at Tala. One Ireland's great young hopes, Abby Larkin, she got four goals in that match. Female bet treaty, United 3-2 after extra time. DLR Waves and Wexford Utes uh, drew 3 all. It was a great game. Uh, um, Waves won on a penalty shootout. And Cork City best, uh, Terranio Rangers 5-0 uh, at Richmond Park. That game was played. So thanks very much to Johnny and to Graham for joining us. Uh, we'll be back again next week. And we'll see you then. Pleasure, Anthony. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers, Anthony. See you, Graham. God bless you. Yeah, good.